Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Be The Church podcast, where we are engaging in conversations that will encourage you to live out your faith in everyday context so that you can be the church. I'm your producer, Isaiah Fetterman. I'm one of your hosts, Theo. I'm one of your other hosts, Kevin. And today we have a BTC podcast. First, we have our first guest and interview. Kevin, would you like to introduce us? Yeah, so uh, we're going to be interviewing, and we've been telling you guys for a couple of weeks now that we're going to be interviewing my buddy, Graham Cochran. I've uh, known him for, gosh, as long as I've been a believer. So 16 years now. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, Graham is a friend of mine. He's a graduate of the same university I went to, James Madison University up in Virginia. Go Dukes. And <laughs> Uh, he is a church planner, uh, a worship leader, a YouTuber, a podcast, uh, podcaster, a business leader, an entrepreneur, a finance guru. Is there any other titles I'm missing there? Grammar? Is that, that, did I hit them all? I was an average swimmer in high school. <laughs> Perfect. Nice. Jackie always tells me that I look like I'm going to drown. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely a better title than me. So so anyway, we're super excited to have Graham on here today. I think um, for those of you guys that are listening, and hopefully you guys will share this with your friends, uh, Graham can give you guys some uh, really, really great insight on how he kind of uh, intersects his faith and his businesses and uh, being a worship leader and his love and passion for music and his life as a husband and a father. And so we're going to just kind of pepper him with questions and see where the, the conversation goes. But yeah, we're excited. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us, Graham. I really appreciate it, buddy. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Honored to be your first official guest on the show. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. Welcome. Absolutely. So, you know, we went, went through this past year going through lots of different spiritual topics. And so to kick off this first interview with you, Graham, uh, our episode today is actually entitled Entrepreneurship, Finances and Faith. Uh, so with that perspective in mind, just kind of thinking about your entrepreneurship, give us a little bit of like your journey. Like, how did you get to this place that you're in, in terms of like uh, your businesses that you have? Yeah, first of all, I love all three of those topics. They're near and <laughs> dear to my heart and they're all intertwined, really. Um, entrepreneurship is never something I wanted. Uh, it's never something I chased after. I know a lot of people who their story was they knew they wanted to start a business or they had a great idea or they always needed to do non-traditional work. Like they could never envision themselves at a day job or a nine to five. I, I didn't really have that story with business, but I knew I wanted to be a musician. So I always wanted something non-traditional in that sense. And my original dream was to be a rock star. And I literally tried to get signed to a record label and made, made records and, and shopped it around and, and had pulled all the strings and all the connections I had. And God just didn't have that in store for me with the music career. And I thought that dream was over. Um, and in my mid twenties, uh, Shay, my wife and I moved down to Tampa, Florida to help plant an Aletheia church in Tampa. And I got a new, I got a job down here when we moved down so I could work and then volunteer as a worship leader at the, at the new church plant 
four months into that job, it was a startup company. They, they had to let me go because they ran out of funding and ran out of money. So it was in the middle of the global recession. So nothing was really popping anyway. It was a very insecure, very scary time. Um, so we had just bought our first house. Our first daughter was born. And then I lost my job and we're in this new city, new state, planning a church, which turns out is like starting a business only with less money. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it was a crazy time. And it was then that I, I tried to lean on some freelancing I used to do on the side. Uh, I would record musicians, I record bands. And that was that was fun, extra work, extra money, nights and weekends kind of thing. But I, I was too afraid to ever go full time with that because I just needed security and stability and a paycheck. So I, but I had no choice at this point. And when I tried to get as many clients as I could, and I was calling up favors with old clients, God through my wife and then through a, sort of some ideas that kind of commingled with her idea in my mind gave me the idea to start a blog and start writing about what I'm doing in the studio, AKA my spare bedroom in the house and write, do some videos on YouTube sort of showing what I'm doing with some of my clients in hopes that like maybe it would get me some more work. And that began this journey that God took me on of being a content creator, being someone who actually educates and teaches about a subject in my, back then it was just music recording and it grew a following. It grew an audience and, and people loved it. They wanted more content. And I was like, what do I do with this? This is something really cool this doesn't make any money, you know? So right. how do you, yeah. how do you justify the time I'm spending helping these people when I can't put food on the table? And we had a period of 18 months where we were literally on food stamps, stressed out. I, I felt really insecure as I felt like a failure as a husband and father and a provider um, because I felt like I was choosing to not go to work while I was choosing to make videos and, and write articles and, and in between my client work. And it was a really kind of a scary time. Like, am I hearing from you, God? But God turned that into what's called the recording revolution, which is my first business. And I've been doing that since 2009, early 2010, and being on this journey of creating content, being an educator, building online courses and memberships and, and, and getting into the business space through a different way that I never would have imagined. Oh, that's incredible. So, just uh, con conceptually, uh, when did you notice this initial seed grow into a business? Like, how did you go through that process of this is a great idea, you know, and then it grew into like what it has become? Like, what's, what's that process been like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think all businesses just it's solving a problem or serving somebody in some way, shape or form. So I was doing that for free already. There was just no money exchanged, but I was solving a problem and serving people by helping them figure out how to do something. Just like when, you know, your toilet breaks and you get on YouTube, how to fix my toilet handle or my toilet's running or, and somebody tells you how to fix it. You served that, that person served you right through a free piece of content. You didn't pay for it, but there was a transaction there where they helped you. Um, and I was already doing that for free and realizing, man, like I, I have a, a, a background in audio engineering. I have a degree in this. So I know more than the average person, but I, I didn't realize how many musicians were stuck with the technical side of making music and never wanted to become an audio engineer and learn all that stuff. But they did want their music to sound more professional on a budget. And they had basic questions that I could answer. And so I was doing that for free. And the only change that really made it officially a business was I, I need to see if I can monetize this. Is there a way I can get paid to do this? And there's a lot of ways you can monetize content uh, and I tried them all, uh, but it was when I started 
I, when I launched my first course, which was like the idea of like, I'm teaching things on YouTube, but what if I could teach them how to use this specific piece of software that we all use in the studio called Pro Tools? And it's kind of like the Photoshop of the music world. And I was like, to teach it properly, I would need three or four hours of their time. I'm not going to do a bajillion YouTube videos because at the time they would cap your YouTube videos uploads at 15 minutes. And so I was like, that's a bajillion YouTube videos. What if I just filmed me teaching this, like talking to nobody, but going through the whole software and teaching it like I do to my friends. What if I sold those videos, used a PayPal link or something, would somebody pay me for that? And it was like a big experiment. And so when somebody actually paid me, someone I didn't know paid me for some videos that teach, taught them how to use the software. That was like the moment I realized what I have in my head, the knowledge I have and the ability to help somebody apply that knowledge in their own life has monetary value, not just, oh, thank you for this tips. I really appreciate it. I'll give you a like on YouTube, but they will pay for it. And that, that to me validated the business idea. And then I spent probably a year and a half building new products, trying new things, trying to grow my audience on YouTube and, and on the blog. And within two years, it felt like forever, by the way. So I, I felt like forever, but <laughs> yeah. it, within two years, I was able to replace my previous day job with money I was making selling these, these online courses. And I was like, I get to stay home and talk about music recording. And I make the same amount or more actually that I was making working full-time in an office that blew my mind. And that's when I knew I don't want to do anything else ever again. And not only do I not want to do anything else ever again, but this is what I meant to do. Like I could do so much more than this. This must be just the tip of the iceberg. I didn't know what that looked like, but that's when it kind of got really exciting, I think. So, so when you were doing that, Graham, I'm assuming a lot of this technology was still fairly new and figuring out how to um, create content and connect with people was something that, you know, our generation, you know, the, a lot of the people that might be listening to this or watching this grew up with YouTube or, or grew up, you know, with podcasts or whatever else. Like you and I, we were radio kids and then, you know, VH1 and MTV, you know, that's kind of, <laughs> you had to go through those platforms if you wanted to have an audience. Whereas, you know, like my kid has friends, like you ask them what they want to be when they grow up. And they're like, I want to be a YouTuber. And I'm like, oh, like, yeah. That, that wasn't a career path when, you know, I was in elementary school, bro. Like, congratulations. So, like, what was that journey for you like of, hey, here I am creating content. No one else, maybe, maybe, you know, some people are kind of figuring this out. But, you know, the, you know, you could go on YouTube now and find tutorials on how to do yeah. what you did, you know, 12, 13 years ago <laughs> to start this business. What was that like kind of? completely blazing a trail while the technology is still even being formed and these platforms are still coming into people's consciousness. What was that like for you, both being on the front lines, but also because you're on the front lines, hey, there's no security here. There's nothing. <laughs> there's no tutorials. I'm figuring everything out on my own. I'm a guinea pig for a lot of this. What was that process like? Oh man, it was both awful and exciting in the sense, <laughs> awful in the sense that like, it's so easy today and easy is not a word people like to hear because right. everything takes work, but it's pretty straightforward to, to recreate what I've done because I teach this now for a living. I teach people how to start online businesses. There is a, a, a well-worn path to do this. And then not only is there a path, so now you have like, I've gone before you and I can show you how to get there, but the tools have caught up. Like there's now massive 
multi-million dollar, billion dollar SaaS companies that create tools to help content creators monetize what they do. It's a glorious time right now. So my life is way easier now than it was back then. Um, Cause I knew nothing about technology or websites or like I'm, I'm stitching software together and like, and I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm like talking to GoDaddy on the phone and they don't know what I'm trying to do, but I don't understand techno speak. And so I'm like, I just want to be able to do this. And they're like, well, that, what does that, that doesn't make sense. And so it was really hard. But it was for us, it was exciting in the sense that I didn't know any better and I didn't I wasn't copying anybody or like comparing myself to anybody in a lot of ways. Like now a lot of my students struggle with comparison because they right. see other people launching and in six months they're doing a million dollars. Like I I that did I couldn't do that actually if I if I tried. But they there some people doing it really fast. And so it's easy yeah. to get discouraged now. Back then I was just I felt alone. So it was hard but also good because I just kind of put my head down. And I was like, well, what do I need to do? I need, I want to be able to film these videos and then I need to be able to distribute them somehow digitally and to be able to take payment with a credit card. And then, uh, so I was just trying everything as I could and it was ugly and clunky, but it worked. And it kind of gave me the freedom to not worry about how pretty it looked or if it was flawless or I just, as long as it worked, if they got what they needed and I got paid and I could keep doing more of it, I was happy with it. But I mean, you got to remember 2009 when I started, YouTube was four years old. Right. The iPhone was two years old. Yeah. So this was all still kind of new. So people were using these tools in different ways. Like there were other people certainly doing what I was doing even before I was, but I didn't know them yet and they weren't as well known. And so I felt like I was just making it up as I went and creating a business model as I went. But it turns out other people were doing it too, but we were kind of coming at it from different right. places. Right. That's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, on that journey, then, you know, as you're growing, as you're uh, starting to see more success by uh, certain standards, uh, what do you equate as a measure of success, uh, both as a, a follower of Jesus and as a businessman, as you know, you, you've started to grow in and started to see that? Um, how do you measure that success? Hmm. I mean, there's a bunch of different measures. Um, everyone I think has some of their own. So I have like very personal goals, right? Like mm -hmm. I have very specific amounts of money I would like to make to do very specific things for my family. Um, we have money goals for giving like Shay and I love giving. So we have specific targets for financial giving um, and what, the, what we're giving towards and what that will accomplish in business, I, I want to have a business where like, I feel really good about the products and services that I offer that they actually help people. So I don't really want to run a business that destroys people's lives or is right. illegal. <laughs> uh, although you can make money doing those things. I, that's not, sure, that's not success to me. <laughs> so a, a business that's you know, high in integrity um, on what I sell. I want a business that's generous in nature. So this is something I try to teach my students too, is even if they're not Christians or they don't want to give like some of their profit away of their business, which is a very tangible example of generosity in business. But the way you conduct business can be generous in nature. And so, especially in this business model, which some will call knowledge commerce or e-learning or whatever, the the interesting thing nowadays is people who get hip to this model, they're like, oh, I got it. I can, I can create an online course and, and sell it and make money. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna package up what I know and then, okay, I need people to sell it to. So I'm just gonna run ads and, or I'm going to try to do all these different things to get eyeballs and then I'll sell them these things. And they miss, ironically, the, the, 
the more powerful way to actually scale your business and it doesn't cost anything, but it, it, they also miss out on the opportunity to really get to the, I think the fullness of this business model, which is all the free content that you give away. So every week I'm putting out videos, podcasts, blog posts, yeah. teaching literally my best stuff for free. And I, and people are confused. Like, how does that work? If you give everything away for free, why are they going to buy your, your paid stuff? And they don't realize that it's actually the more you give away, the faster your audience grows, the more loyalty and credibility you build with your audience, the, the more magnetic you become because generous people are magnetic people. And the more people realize they need more of you, whatever you have, they need yeah. more. They become super fans as Pat Flynn would call them. Yeah. And so it's really Proverbs um, 11, 24 and 25, which is one of my favorite passages, right? There, one gives freely yet grows all the richer mm. and another withholds what he should give mm. and only suffers want. Mm. And it's this paradox of it's not mathematical. It's really hard to wrap your head around if you're trying to run a, a business, but I've really seen God work in my business and it's, it's yeah. become like the model that I teach and still run to this day, which is give so much away that success. If I'm able to serve tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who will never buy any of my courses because 95, 96% of the people I serve never buy anything from me. If I can have a business model where I can give like that and impact people uh, and I can still make a living and, and I'm, I'm fine, to me, that's success. It's huge. That's yeah. cool. So as you're kind of balancing then between um, work and then uh, church and family, um, what does that balance kind of look like? Because I know that you're down in Aletheia and you're uh, serving and, and working at the church and um, doing all that on top of business. And then also, as you said, being intentional with family. Um, what does that balance kind of look like? Yeah, so I don't really work at the church okay. anymore. I, I, I never really worked at the church, but I was like the every Sunday volunteer worship guy for a long, long time. But the last three or four, three years, I would say I've I've stepped way back. So now I'm just like the backup guy. I'll fill in from time to time um, and I'll serve on like the sound team and I'll run sound. Um, so I'm now I'm just a normal member. Like yeah. I'll lead a Bible study, but so I used to spend a lot more time in the first few years. And what's interesting is like, that's part of God's story in my life too, was the way I started my business. My, my weeks look like we were full on church planning. I was wearing every hat right in in week yeah. when week 1 year 1 and so my saturdays i would get up and go to the storage unit for the band for rehearsal at like 8am and we would load up our gear in the trailer take it over to another building set it up for rehearsal space rehearse for 2 hours take it back to the storage unit by the time i was back home it was 12 1 o'clock i'd lost my whole morning every saturday and then sunday we would obviously do the same thing set up tear down for church so i never had a full day off and so i remember uh, somebody pulling me aside, an older, wiser gentleman and said like, look, if you don't get a full day off on Saturday, Sunday, then you should have to take Fridays off and that'll have to be your kind of your full Sabbath. And I was like, bro, I'm starting a business. Like, right. I, I, I need, I can't do it five days a week, let alone four. Mm -hmm. And, but that was the challenge that he gave me. And I felt like God was challenging me then to like, do you trust that it's not about how many hours you put in. It's about the work you choose to do and whether my hands on it or not. And so from day one, I've only worked four days a week max. I only had 32 hours to give this business ever. It's the most I've ever worked in this business. And that was a really helpful thing because that kind of became part of the ethos of what I do. Because I, I was seeing this business grow in only four days a week when I've got friends working seven days a week and, and, and struggling. So I realized it wasn't how many hours you're putting in. That's not actually the thing. So I learned a lot about balance and prioritizing and 
And a lot of work we call work isn't really that effective, isn't really that, it's not moving the needle. It's just keeping you busy. Or you might feel good, like I did all these things today, but what if I did only 20% of those things, would I have gotten most of the results? And, and more often than not, that's true. So I became very interested in like cutting out things and, and not doing everything that I saw other business owners doing, seeing how, how successful could my business be in as, how few hours possible. It's like a game to me. And every year I'd be like, how many hours can I work less this, this year? And, and not only maintain, but grow. And it got me really intentional about what I'm doing with my time. And that's been a cool challenge because that's allowed me to have plenty of time to like wake up, take the kids to school, uh, have long lunches with a friend if they want to grab lunch, be done at three or four o'clock, not work every day, even during the work week. Um, it's given me time to start a second business uh, which has been amazing. It's like right now I'm writing a book. And so I'm able to take a couple of days a week and just write uh, it. So it's been great to have that ethos from the beginning because I've always pushed back against, if you want to do great things, it's going to take tons and tons and tons of hours. It's more about what are the most important things and will I be willing to let those other things go to be able to have not only my business, but my life and time to be involved in church and maybe time to sleep or exercise or any of those important things that kind of keep yeah. you healthy from and, and from dying. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah no, I, I definitely like that's super valuable advice uh, as someone who's like recently come out of college and just seeing the culture of like spend all of your time doing school, work, 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 you know, got to get everything down, everything planned, like to see that there really is balance and it's not so much about how much you do as much as uh, what you prioritize and what you do, I think is super valuable and definitely not uh, the norm uh, culture expectations. So that's uh, very encouraging for sure. Yeah, I mean, so, we have a culture of, of hustle, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah. celebrated. The hashtag hustle is, is a thing that we celebrate. And I think it's a very self-centered like uh, mantra of like, look at how hard I work. And it covers up a lot of insecurity, can cover up failure. It's like, well, at least I'm grinding it out. Right. And I, I just think it's ridiculous. And I think it's a poison to people. And so I think the Bible doesn't teach you to hustle. I think the Bible teaches you to be diligent. And you look up diligence in the yeah. dictionary. It's a very different word. Yeah. It means doing, doing the right things, being faithful with the right things. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a difference that like, I believe in even in the secular world needs to hear this, but mm. the Christians, the Christians fall to pray, pray to this all the time too, because it's very tempting to say, look at how hard I'm working, mm. even for, for the kingdom. Look at how hard I'm working for the kingdom. We do that there. We over-spiritualize it, but we do it in our jobs too. And it's like, most of what we're doing isn't really helpful work. I think it's, it's, takes more discipline to stop working, assess all the things you're doing and evaluate what is truly important and what is not. That's harder than hustling. Hustling is easy. Anybody can hustle, yeah. but discerning what's wise and important, very, very hard, much more hard and then much more rewarding because then you, you really can have, in a way, have it all. You can have progress towards the things God's calling you to do and a life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I always think, you know, Jesus shares that, that, that parable about, you know, the shrewd, you know, gaining money by dishonest means, but they're at least shrewd about it as opposed to, you know, the children of the kingdom of heaven. And I've always, that passage has always struck me because here you have, you know, Jesus standing there and, and, and saying to his disciples, like, look, you guys have like the greatest truth the world has ever known, right? You know who your God is, you know what he's done to redeem, reconcile, and love you. And yet you guys just struggle with like the most basic, <laughs> of things when interacting with the world 
go learn from those guys. Like go look at how they operate. Don't mm-hmm. do what they do, but learn how they operate. And then from, from following that pattern, live like I would, would want you to live. Right. But you know, it almost, it, it's almost like this, this charge to me of like, you know, Jesus saying to his disciples, do everything with excellence, you know, be a business leader with excellence, be a teacher with excellence, be a, a surgeon with excellence. You know, this, this idea of, what we do in this life matters. And I think, you know, especially, you know, and, and you were familiar with us up in Virginia and what ministry was like there and how different it was when we moved down here to Florida. But one of the things that's been so interesting to me is this, this idea of, uh, of sacred and secular and, and, mm. you, know, you know, Christians, well, that, that's my, that's where my discipleship time goes to. And that's where my Christian life goes to. And, and that's my work time or, or whatever else it may be. And it sounds like you're saying, yeah, no, this idea of Sabbath rest and being diligent and walking with the Lord is kind of like what guides me to be faithful, both in my work, but also faithful to my God and what, and what he's doing in my life. And so, um, yeah. What, what do you wish? So you, I mean, your story is crazy, man. You went from being on food stamps and questioning whether you are a failure and trying to find work in the middle of a, a, a global recession to being successful. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll share some of your, your cool stuff. I mean, this guy's paid off his house. He's, you know, you know, in 10 years, he's completely paid off his house. He's told us beforehand, he's building another one, which I, I imagine, you know, you guys aren't going to have a loan on very long if you're going to have one at all. His wife is also a successful business owner as well. Um, extremely, extremely talented photographer. And I think I, my wife and I were some of the last people to get to be her live action shots before she decided she was done shooting people. So, <laughs> so I, I always consider myself to be really honored. But what do you wish you had known just about money and, and finances and how, how to make money work and how to use it wisely? What do you wish you'd have known at 22, 25, as opposed to, you know, now being in your late 30s? What, 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 what kind of has that journey been like for you? I'll tell you, I mean, I actually feel like I'm really fortunate because God introduced personal finance strategies and wisdoms to me when I was a 22-year-old, right mm-hmm. when I graduated from college, right when I met Shay or was getting married to Shay. Um, it started with a Dave Ramsey book and I was reading his book, The Total Money Makeover. And I was like, dude, my dad never taught me any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Actually, no one taught me any of this stuff. Um, you're saying... If, if you avoid debt, have some savings and systematically invest small amounts of money over a lifetime on an average income, I can become a millionaire. Like, I don't even understand how that's possible. And I was, then I started to just dive deeper into, so you're saying there's not just like this, I had a, I didn't realize it, but I had a, I bought into the victim mentality that our culture teaches both in and out of the church, which is there's wealthy and then there's poor. Mm. And there's, it's, it's, it's just, it's just the way it is. And like, you could never be wealthy. And that just gives you an excuse to just continue to squander every resource God's given you and not be faithful with it. Um, and sometimes it's ignorance because you don't know how. And that was me. like, I didn't know how to, to, right. to manage things. But what it gave me was like hope and gave me like a fire to learn more. Like, well, wait a second. I don't, I, I want to be faithful. If there's a possibility that I could generate like generational wealth, even on an average income, I, I'm going to start now, dude. I don't want to waste this opportunity. So that gave, gave me like a fire when I was really early, really young. So I'm grateful for that. So we've been following a lot of these principles and I started to read every single book, 
I mean, I, I just, I nerd out on this stuff. My whole, whole bookshelf is like investment books. They're like tomes, <laughs> like this thick. Um, and it's so powerful to me, but I think, so I learned the principles of how to make money work and how to manage money faithfully. And, and it's worked. What I think I lacked and I'm still to this day, like struggling with, and it's still God's working on me and is, is, is it okay for a Christian to be wealthy? Mm. Because the, I, I'm, there's, there's, there's the war on two fronts. The secular world doesn't like wealthy people. The right. secular world actually is, is like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like the secular world right. wants to be rich, but they demonize the rich at the right. same time. Right. Right. So the rich people are always the bad guys in the movies. The one percenters on Wall Street are the enemies. But everybody wishes they were rich. So this, they're, they're all confused, the right. secular world. And then the Christian world is the same, but then they spiritualize it. And, and they're like, I, I was basically taught that, you know, to be a good Christian is, is to, okay, maybe not poor, but, you know, don't rise your head too much above the average American salary. And then, then you can be an okay Christian, which again, it's so subjective. So it's like, that's, right. we're not rich if we make 30,000 a year, but okay. But okay. Cause it's in context. Okay. So God's contextual. Okay. So <laughs> that was always, that was always confusing to me. I was like, well, what is poor? And then what is rich? Like who's defining that? And, but Dude, it has been so weird because I I'm not that smart of a guy. I but I have followed what God has where God's been leading me. And I have followed up on the things he said, "Hey, this is working. Do more of this." Okay, I'll do more of that. God has has hand has been on my both of my businesses. And they've exploded. And and so I make more money than I've I ever thought anyone could make. And that that creates like this really weird juxtaposition in my mind because I have a theology, whether I, whether I realize it or not, of like that wealth is evil right. and you shouldn't want wealth. But I'm like, but I didn't create this. God <laughs> gave it to me. What do I do with that? Does that make God evil or does that make God? So I, I feel like that has been a, a piece that I've had to learn slowly because there's really nobody in my life that I know personally that I can have these conversations with. Mm. Like my pastors don't know what to do about it. My friends don't like, they're like, I would love to have your problems. And so it's like, there's a conversation that, that I think everyone needs to be able to have about what, like, is wealth really the problem? And, and what do we do with wealth? Because there's dangers with wealth. I see commands to like, be careful with it. There's, there's responsibilities attached to wealth. Okay. So, you know, you're blessed to be a blessing. Um, but like, there's not enough talk in the church about the desire for wealth. Is that bad? And, and then how to get, gain wealth, how to manage wealth, because here's the problem with the theology that I feel like I was taught even inexplicitly, right. Was Christians shouldn't have them shouldn't have a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. So that means the non-Christians are going to have all the money. Mm-hmm. And that means th- then the, the powers of evil are going to win. They're going to be well, well resourced. Yeah. And that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so I've been on this long journey of like, oh my gosh, this is God's put me on this earth. And this isn't prescriptive for all people, but it's, it's descriptive of me, but it's the same principle. Like God has put me on this earth to work hard, to serve people well, to build as entity right would say to build for the kingdom. Everything that we do does matter because uh, this earth will be renewed into a new heaven, a new earth. And then as God blesses me with resources, manage them for my family's well-being, for our enjoyment and for the good of other people. And so there's plenty of organizations starting with my local church. Uh, we love compassion international here in Tampa. There's feeding Tampa Bay metropolitan ministries, a bunch of amazing organizations that 
they do amazing work that I don't feel called to do, but they need money. And, and so it's like, why wouldn't I fund a lot of these things that God's doing? Why would I want to cap how much I should make or feel guilty for how much I should make? So it's these interesting conversations that I've been having to have, having to dive into scripture, but I do feel like that was missing. I really wish I was taught not only how to, not only how to manage money, but how to properly view money and wealth as a young man to know like, because I think I would have had more healthy, godly ambition to go out there and do something amazing as opposed to this like foot on the gas, foot on the brake, because I'm not sure if this is okay kind of thing. Yeah. So if, uh, so do you feel like maybe, uh, maybe like a, even a unique testimony you're going to have and an ability to disciple people will kind of help people that, you know, 22, 24, they're, they're looking to start a business or they're looking to, uh, amass wealth, or maybe even, you know, they're, they're fortunate enough to have had a parent who has a wealthy business or, or, or whatever else. Um, you know, I think this is really cool to be a great opportunity for you to kind of step into that space and say, okay, I never had this, but I can be this for others in the church who are wrestling with this question so that maybe they're not answering this question in their mid thirties. They're answering this question at 25, 26. Yeah. Cause you know, I, one of the things I'm, I, I'm always thinking through, even as a pastor, you know, I, I ask myself this question often, like why did Aaron and Dave let a 28 year old guy go start a church somewhere? Like, what were those guys thinking? You know, <laughs> you know, I, just, I feel like I'm, I turned 35 this past year. I'm like, I feel like I'm just now starting to figure out like, Oh, these were the things that Aaron and Dave and Halterman and Graham and all, uh, you know, all the, all you men who had pivotal roles in my life as a, as a young man and a young believer, I'm just now starting to figure some of that stuff out. Hey, now we can pour into these younger guys. It would be cool to, to see what, what God ends up doing that with you later on down the, the line as well. So that's good. Uh, so Aaron, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Graham, you just said Aaron. Now I got Aaron <laughs> <in my mind. laughs> Graham, I'm, I'm going to kind of pepper you uh, with a couple questions here as we just kind of wrap things up. Uh, so my first question for you is what advice would you give to people who are just starting out with their own business? Is, is there any like general principles that you would just throw out there for everyone? Yeah. I mean, you want to, you want to find an idea that is actually profitable. Like I, the worst thing I feel like you could do is, is be so determined to have this business idea that you've had since you were a kid. And then you, you take out a loan or you spend a year's building and it's, it's nobody cares about it. You know, I think the, the smartest business owners are the ones who see a need, meet the need, see a problem, solve the problem, see a, a hole in the marketplace, fill it, or see which is my favorite, an intersection between what they love to do, teach, share, with uh, in something that's in demand. So it doesn't have to be original. I think that's one of the biggest myths is like, I got to be original to have a business. I got to have some new idea. No, you don't. You could start a business today, teaching people how to lose weight, get in shape, and you will make plenty of money because this is always a problem that needs to be solved. And there's a million people, millions of people that need it. So it's actually, when you see something being done really well, that's proof that there's a market for it, that people are spending money on fitness and health related things. And so I have people that ask me like, is it too late for me to, I want to start a business teaching recording like you did, or like, I'm a good example. I, I started just three years ago, this personal brand where I'm teaching people how to start online businesses. That's a very saturated market. Plenty of heavy hitters that have been doing that for years, doing a great job. I had the same fears of like, should I even start a business in this space? It's already, it's covered. Um, 
but God's blown up this business. It's working great. And people are saying like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Like no one's talking about this stuff. So the great thing about the type of business I do and that I teach these sort of knowledge-based businesses, like information-based businesses is it's, it's not just the facts that you're sharing. It's your unique spin, your unique view on things that's much needed. Your voice is needed. And so look for areas that there's a definite need that matches up with something that you love to do, or you feel like you could talk about or share about, and then you're on the right track. So that's really the first step is, is getting that idea. You don't have to have it all fleshed out. You don't have to have a business plan. You just have to see like, is there a need and can I meet that need? And then you could figure out the rest of it as you go. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. So are you like a one man show or do you have like employees? Like what does that look like in terms of like the way that you manufacture and create your product? So great question. I have a few contractors. So I started as a one man show for the first four years. And then I hired a guy to help me with customer service because I was spending three or four hours a day in email, just dealing with all that kind of stuff. And then as it expanded, I hired a marketing director to help me just think through products and copywriting and things like that. Cause I've been doing that for seven years on my own so that I could just focus on being the, the guy doing the content um, on YouTube and on, on the blog. So that's expanded over the years. Um, and now actually this year, January, I, I officially stepped out of the, the front of that business, the recording revolution where I'm not actually making any content anymore. I'm just the owner. We're bringing in other people and I'm trying to sh shift the model because my heart's not there anymore. I, I started this other business three years ago and I've been doing both simultaneously, but God's been pulling me like to go hundred percent in on teaching people business and helping them start these things and, and break free from jobs they hate and share with the world and all that kind of stuff. So I have people running that now, which is great. And then now I just have one uh, contractor who helps me just get my content uploaded on YouTube, make thumbnails uh, and deal with, actually, he doesn't even do customer service on this brand. He does my Instagram stuff. He'll take my weekly videos, chop them up, put them on Instagram for me. Um, so it's no full-time employees, but definitely help. And it took me four years to figure out like help is a good thing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then they, they don't have to be exactly you to do a good job. In fact, they could probably do a better job if you give them time. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good insight. So how do you advertise your business, your products? Like, what do you use as like your, your advertising means? Is it all through social media? Uh, do you also do some print advertisements? So what does that look like? Yeah, it's no social media, really. It's, I don't do any advertising. The great thing about this model, and this is a piece that I think a lot of people don't really understand, even my students, I, I keep having to beat it in their heads is your, your content is your advertising. So I, if I put out a video on YouTube or an article on my blog, it can be picked up on the two largest search engines in the world, Google and YouTube. And they're the same company technically. But <laughs> when I put out a video, it's no guarantee what the search result will be or if it'll get picked up amidst all the other ones. But eventually, if you're consistently putting out content, one or two or three pieces of your content is going to start showing up in a search result. And then people are like, oh, that's that's a video about what I'm looking for. Or that's an article about what I'm looking for. So it's the free content that gets discovered through search engines that click over to the site. And then from there, I'm able to capture their email address by offering them a free gift. And then in my email sequence there, they hear about my products and services. It all hop, happens automatically, but I don't do any advertising. I just spend time putting out new content every single week. And that does the work for me. And it's a much more curated way to get leads because they're people actively looking for what you do, mm -hmm. choosing to click on your video or a blog post 
and then consuming some of your content for free. And then like, oh, this is great. And they want more. So by the time they even hear about any of my products, they're very interested and very targeted. Yeah, that's good. And then my last question for you is just going to be this question. What are your company's goals? Where do you see yourself going in the next five, 10, 20 years? Yeah, man, I, I feel like what God's calling me to do and what I really want to do is write and speak. So I want to be writing books that help people with their business and with their life and with their money. And I want to speak to people. I, I, I have a podcast, I have a YouTube video, but I like the stage. I like the live energy. It, it, maybe it comes from my music background and performing. I used to do theater, but I like the moment where I'm in front of people and we're, we're having a moment and I can speak powerful words of encouragement and truth into their lives. And like, they have that aha moment. And so if I have a vision, it's writing, and speaking all around the world and, and keeping up the podcast, maybe you're keeping up the YouTube channel. Um, but that, that's all I want to do, man. And I'm slowly but surely moving away from what God built the first time around, which is the music side. And that was really hard for me to say, I don't think God wants me to do music stuff anymore. Uh, but that's been my identity for so long. And I fought it for years, but it was just too obvious that like, here's where my heart's going. Here's where my desire is. And if, if it's scary, it's okay. But that's what in the next five to 10 years, I mean, that's what I want to be doing. Awesome. Well, Graham, thanks so much for giving up your time to, to chat with us today, man. And I think, you know, especially a lot of the younger people in our church are, are really going to resonate with a lot of this. I, I think, Already you know, what, am, so. what, well, what <laughs> I think, you know, I think one of the things I, I'm going to send, you know, this type of stuff to my parents' generation so they can learn that there are new ways for, for people to make money. So, you know, when my cousins are like, yeah, I want to do this thing or whatever else be like, yeah, okay, look at Graham. He, he did it. And he, he says there's a tried and, and true model in this stuff, but also, you know, just the, the, the beauty of, of how God has, you know, been faithful to you, to your family uh, over the years and, and, and seeing, his hand in all this, man. Just thank you so much for, for sharing this with us. I don't know if you guys have anything to add to any of that, but just thank you. Uh, it was very insightful. And like, I, I love to uh, just talk with people because, you know, a lot of the things that you hit on are stuff that as I talk to other people who are either just graduated or recently graduating and figuring out their life, mm. uh, you know, some of these questions have come up and we're like, we don't know. So it's, it's always <laughs> good to uh, get different perspectives as well. For sure. Sorry, we didn't monetize them for you, though, buddy. But <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe we'll come take one of your courses on on how to how to how to move people in that direction. So, yeah. So, thank you so much uh, for letting us uh, uh, interview, and that is all for this week. So, for those of you who are listeners, feel free to uh, follow us on social media for uh, Be the Church Podcast with the Alathia social media and Facebook and Instagram and find us on YouTube or um, on Spotify, Apple podcast, uh, whatever you like to listen through. And uh, if you have any questions or you want us to interview someone uh, unique or special, uh, please let us know. And you can email us at podcast at com. And with that, we are uh, so thankful and excited and go and be the church. Cool. For the That's awesome. Yeah. But uh, I love it. Anyway, so forgive us if I'm, I know Please you've be been interviewed by far greater professionals. <laughs> than <me>, So <laughs> do not expect that right now. I've also, I've also been interviewed by little kids in their mom's closets who oh, can't even pronounce my last name. So I've, I've had it all. I've had it all. <laughs> this will be very similar. All of that.
Mm. 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 Mm.